plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Welcome into the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. It's June 29th. It's a Thursday. A lot to get to today. Can't I can't wait for this weekend. I'll be honest. I got family coming in from out of town, and I think it's going to be a blast. I'm working on 700 WLW and ESPN 1530 the next four days. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I'm hosting. Um, so I, I, we will try to do as many podcasts as we can as far as Locked On is concerned between now and Tuesday, the 4th of July. But uh, between now and then, I guarantee you we'll have a show tomorrow. And then we'll probably have one next Monday, next Tuesday, and that'll be it until Wednesday when we get back at it. I'm James Erpine. Subscribe on Twitter, at James Erpine, uh, at Locked on Bengals. Subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes and Audioboom.com. This show's off to a great start today. Speaking of, of great starts, yesterday I, I said that I had no problem with Andy Dalton being in the top 100, and the tweets came in. And you guys got upset. I had a feeling it was going to happen. And and I've gotten multiple tweets and a couple here uh, that I have handy. One, and there's a ton of FC Cincinnati. If you were watching on ESPN yesterday, FC Cincinnati blew up my, my Twitter feed if you follow on Twitter and you're a Bengals fan. But TJ Booker, uh, Brooker just tweeted me, so disappointed with the Andy trashing on yesterday's podcast it's bad enough the sports national media give Andy Dalton no respect, but a local, bad. I don't think I trashed Andy Dalton. TJ did continue. The Redskins game was not only on Dalton. The defense gave up the lead and the kicker didn't help. Sure, yeah, the kicker didn't help. And you're right, the defense gave up 27. Andy Dalton, if he's competent that game, they score 44. I, 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 I never understood this last year. And I will never understand it moving forward. Andy Dalton is more important than anyone else on this team. I just said that he might not be a top 100 player. It's that simple. It's, it's that simple. Player. J.J. Watt is better than him as a player. DeAndre Hopkins better than Andy as a player. A.J. Green better than him as a player. I'm not saying quarterback ranks or how important your position is. No, no, no. Andrew Whitworth is a better football player than Andy Dalton. So the fact that you, you guys think I'm railing on Andy Dalton, go back to two days ago right here on Locked on Bengals when you heard me talk to Dave Lapham and I said the only thing that could stop this team, the only weakness I'm seeing is the offensive line. Now fast forward. Is that trashing Andy Dalton? Or is that saying the only way this team isn't good is if the offensive line is poor? I didn't say they were weak at quarterback. I didn't say that at all. So stop with the, the narrative. And, and I know you guys, I, I get it. I understand it. I, just because I'm not the biggest Andy Dalton fan, I have to be an Andy Dalton hater. But I'll tell you what I actually am. I'm realistic with Andy Dalton and what he is. There is no emotional ties to Andy Dalton in my book. 
So when I come on and say he's not a top 100 player, you guys think, oh, James is not a fan of Andy Dalton. Love Andy Dalton. Like I said yesterday, does great things in the community, is a good NFL quarterback. That doesn't mean he's a top 100 player in the NFL. There's 53 guys on each roster. You're telling me that there aren't four, five guys on most teams better than Andy Dalton? Really? Think about that. Just think about that. There's probably 15, 16 quarterbacks alone. Probably 15, 16, 17, 20 wide receivers. 15 wide receivers. I mean, there are some great players in the NFL. Pass rushers. All of those guys, the great, like Von Miller's a better football player than Andy Dalton. That doesn't mean he's more important. That doesn't mean he plays a more important position. That doesn't mean his success will lead to Bron- the Broncos' success as Andy Dalton's success would lead to, uh, to wins for the Bengals. I didn't say Andy Dalton's not in the top 100 most valuable players. you got to listen to what I'm saying. He's not a top 100 player, but neither is Alex Smith, who is ranked in the top 100. Neither is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton are twins. They're the same quarterback with different names. Good, not great, going to make $100 million because they're good. Nothing wrong with that. They play important positions, and they're the face of their franchises. I think Kirk ends up in San Francisco next year on a big, big contract. Good for him. Andy Dalton would get swooped up in a half second if he was on the free agent market or if he could be traded for. I understand that. So yesterday, when I say he's, I'm fine with him not being in the top 100, don't take that the wrong way. And yes, he is the reason they lost that Redskins game. He had A.J. Green 6'4", huge wingspan, and he overthrows him on a second and, it was a second and seven, I believe, nine-yard slant. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? And that's after missing A.J. Green 18 times for, you know, 200 yards or whatever he missed him on. He missed him a ton. There's a highlight, but you could Google it. Andy Dalton just struggling versus Washington. And as bad as he was against Washington, he was equally as great week one against the Jets. No one complimented Andy or, or realized how great he was against the New York Jets after week one than me. I was on 700 WLW following the game, and I was like, man, for the first time, maybe in his career, Andy Dalton is the reason the Bengals won today, despite getting sacked. I think he got sacked seven times. It's before this podcast started. Andy Dalton got sacked seven times, hostile environment, on the road, dealing with just a no running game, and yet found a way to get the Bengals in scoring range to win the game against a, a, a team that most considered playoff worthy. Yes. So, again, I'm not trying to be mean to Andy Dalton or unfair to Andy Dalton. You're a fan. So, odds are, you have emotional ties to him. The national media sees it one way, you see it one way, totally get it. I try to be as objective as possible, and I watch him just as much, if not more, than you do. I'm James Rapine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast on Twitter. At James Rapine, at Locked on Bengals. Marcus Hartman covers the Dayton uh, covers sports for the Dayton Daily News. He writes for that newspaper. Uh, wrote about the Bengals in four thoughts between now and training camp, just about the Bengals, about their offseason. And, and Marcus joined me the other day on ESPN 1530, and I thought that this was worth hearing because he's in Dayton. Does He's not in the locker room every day. Jay Morrison does that. But it was just really good observation 
and uh, Marcus joined me on ESPN 1530, and I asked him what he thought about the Bengals' offseason and adding all these skill players. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's one of those things, it's like a lot of things in the NFL. You can see it kind of going a few different directions. Um, You never know what young receivers, what kind of impact they're going to have. You know, it seems like that's one of the easier positions to pick up, but a lot of young receivers struggle. Um, But obviously, Andy Dalton is at his best when he can spread the ball around. Um, We even saw that, you know, last year when, when A.J. got hurt, you know, I mean, Dalton, you know, was kind of able to, to, to move the ball around a little bit, but they, they needed that big play threat. So now they've got multiple big play threats. Uh, if everybody's healthy, you know, he can do a lot of things. And then when everybody's healthy, they can, they'll have a three-headed running back, you know, attack as well. And with a couple of those guys at least being guys who you can use in multiple ways. But, of course, as I put in that story, the caveat is you've got, you know, John Ross coming off of an injury. You've got Gio Bernard, who I, I'm assuming is not going to be ready at the beginning of the season. Uh, and uh, Mixon was not 100% even. I mean, he'll probably be fine. But he's also a rookie. You know, they're going to have a lot of things to throw at him. So, you know, X, Y, I said, you know, they'll have an embarrassment of riches eventually, uh, which will be, so be kind of interesting to see how long it takes all that to come together. Because, I mean, I, I felt like the skill positions were okay um, before Bernard got hurt last year. Um, not great, but okay. And I didn't think that was really their biggest problem. So, you know, if you, if you look at that in the big picture, they could be in really good shape this year. Yeah, I think that their goal heading into the draft was, well, we're going to get the best players that, that fit us, at, at, depending on where the value is in the draft. John Ross, if he's healthy, I think he's going to transform their offense. But I, but I think the biggest takeaway at, at the end of the draft was clearly they wanted to get weapons and, and not have – uh, an offense that was stagnant the moment A.J. Green goes down with a concussion or goes down for a couple games, or if Eifert's out. You don't want to have to throw to Brandon LaFell and, and Cody Core. And, and I think that that's what they wanted to do is just have so many weapons around Andy that there was no real excuse for this offense not to be great. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and you know, I, I think it's a really interesting situation with Dalton because – he seems like a guy who, you know, if you kind of vacillate between that pro and, and college game, he really is almost to me like like a Texas quarterback who you can just say, go throw it 50 times a game yeah. and let's hope for the best. But his numbers aren't very good when he does that, you know. So, But that's also a lot of times when it was younger in his career, when he was younger and it was earlier in his career. So uh, that's another way also to kind of work around if the offensive line is substandard again, which, you know, if you really want to, if you look hard enough, you can say, well, the offensive line might be fine because they've got a couple of guys who are high picks who just really haven't been healthy, haven't had a chance to really show what they can do. So maybe that will all work out, and then they'll have a nice all-around offense that can kind of do everything. But, you know, I'm going to assume that's not the case. Let's, let's say the offensive line is decent at best. And, again, it kind of comes back on Dalton. And I kind of look at, you know, maybe they should even kind of go like that Detroit Lions route where they just say, all right, Andy, it's your show. You know, you've been around a long time. Here's all these weapons. Just do what you can. You know, and I've seen a lot of people who are, you know, gurus who say that he is maybe the best guy in the league, not the best, but one of the best guys in the league before the snap. So if you give him all those options before the snap, against most defenses, he's going to be able to find the mismatch and he's going to go there. So if you give him, you know, a real option at every position, obviously that's got to be a tantalizing uh, a tantalizing idea to, to kind of spin forward. Marcus, I started this hour talking about what, what Bengals coaches have the most pressure. And I think Paul Alexander, the offensive line coach, has or should have a lot of pressure 
the the projected starting line that the Bengals have are all his guys, guys he drafted or, or guys that he wanted in the first round, second round, fourth round. And I, I know the the ceiling or, or the expectation is really low for this offensive line, but he's supposed to be this great offensive line coach. They're his guys. As low as these expectations are, I expect them, and I think the expectation should be that the offensive line is much better than we project simply because it's a great coach with his picks, guys that he wanted. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. That's a good way to put it. Um, you know, when you put a question out there on Twitter, you can kind of spin it any number of ways. But when you put it that way, I totally agree with you. Uh, it, like you say, it is his guys, and they were mostly highly picked guys. And like I said, you know, you can kind of go either way. You can say, well, these guys have flopped, or you can say, well, they haven't really had a chance to flop yet. And even with he, you know, coming off of I think there's really something to not having an offseason the first two years, especially because Alexander is sort of known as a guy who does things differently. So not only has he not really had that chance to, to really get indoctrinated into a general pro uh, offense, you know, he hasn't necessarily gotten all that hands-on work with Alexander, which I, I think a lot is probably really necessary there. So, um, you know, like I said, it comes down to if you want to be pessimistic or optimistic, you know, when it's June and you're kind of projecting things, you know, on paper they should be good. I mean, they were really bad last year, but on paper, you know, they've got either veterans or highly drafted guys at every position. So, you know, I, I think that they could, that, that there's a good reason to think that they will end up being a lot better than last year. But uh, maybe if I feel like being optimistic with the skill guys, then I have to balance that out with pessimism for the offensive line. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, everybody's <laughs> definitely pessimistic about the Bengals' offensive line heading into this year. I'm reading this uh, this piece that you wrote. What are your thoughts overall? Because I don't really see any weaknesses on the defense. Vontez Perfect is in shape in a contract year. Obviously, you still have Geno Atkins. I don't see any real holes uh, on the defense, what what are your thoughts on the Bengals' defense heading into the training well, camp? I, I kind of look at it. I'm not real high on the secondary in that I think kind of one of the reasons that, you know, when I was looking at the draft, I've been waiting for them to finally get that Ed Reed type guy, you know, forever. It seems yeah. like, and, and I still am not so sure that that's there. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, you got to wait those corners. You know, William Jackson, you know, he's a first-round pick. We have no idea what he can do in the pros. Um, so, and Adam Jones, you know, kind of coming off of a poor year. So, and Drake Kirkpatrick is again. You kind of spin that either way. He was a guy who was not like he was just getting people running past him last year, but he seemed to be at best up and down. So, you know, I have a lot of questions in the secondary. But the good news is, uh, especially on a week-to-week basis, if you have a great front seven, your secondary doesn't have to be great. They just have to be okay. You'd mm-hmm. rather be really strong up front than really strong in the back and, and vice versa. You know what I mean? I mean, if you have to choose one. So I'm kind of looking, I'm choosing to, to buy on the front seven when they're all healthy. You know, they, they, you know everybody loves uh, some of these guys that they have drafted. Billings, you know, was like everybody was high coming out of TCU. And if you look at it, if he's ready, you know, obviously we know what Gino and Carlos can do. Um, I, you know, I'm interested to see what Willis does if you slide him in there. It's good. Maybe Marcus uh, or um, <clears throat> maybe Johnson can have a bounce back year. Michael Johnson, sorry, mm-hmm. can have a bounce back year. But if not, you've got some insurance policies there. So there's a reason to think that things will look better in the front seven. You know, I mean, I, I kind of I didn't think the defense really passed the look test last year. You know, statistically they came out okay. Uh, I think their stats were pretty good at the real basic. You know. Um, 
traditional stats, but, you know, how many great offenses did they face last year? You know, when the rubber met the road, I, I didn't really feel very comfortable with them. And, and again, it's one of those things maybe where it comes down to when I know Marvin has talked in the offseason about it would be nice to have all the same coaches back and, and have some more cohesion there. You know, they didn't know how to make adjustments at the beginning of the year because nobody knew, you know, each other very well in terms of what they were supposed to be doing. I mean, this year, so that's the one thing where, you know, I'm a big talent guy. I'm all on the raw talent. I've been covering recruiting for a long time. Mm-hmm. So give me all the five stars and the four stars and <laughs> let me go. And, and I know the Bengals are sort of that way too, but they hadn't necessarily been – it felt like they were sort of in between there the last couple of years. And so now you look at maybe they can kind of get rejuvenated with some of the picks they've made. Hey Marcus, as always, man, I, I appreciate the time. I'm sure we'll talk to, I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Sounds good. Call anytime. That's Marcus Hartman, the Dayton Daily News. Check out his work. He writes about all things sports for the Dayton Daily News. And uh, if you missed Dave Lapham earlier this week, that was a great interview as well, so check that out. But I-, I hope, coming out of that interview, again, I don't hate Andy Dalton. But he's going to be one of the first guys I look at to see how he played if the Bengals win or lose, period. Just like I look at A.J. Green. You look at the stars, you look at the... The, the most important players. He's, he is their most important player. Starting quarterback is the most important position. He's one of the 20, 20 most valuable players in the NFL. A lot of that has to do with his position. That doesn't mean he's a top 100 player. I hope I made that clear. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. A ton coming up. Training camp, less than a month away. I will be there. So this is the podcast to subscribe to. Share it on social media. Follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnBengals. I'm on Twitter, at James Erpine. Let's get this going. Just like the draft, when and I feel like you guys enjoyed a lot of the draft content. Once we get the training camp, it is going to be one-on-one interviews. Guys, back-end roster guys that are just trying to make a spot. You're going to hear from those players, just like you're going to hear from the stars. You'll hear from Andy, AJ McCarron, AJ Green, John Ross, Joe Mixon. We're going to get them all here on Locked On Bengals. So, This is the place to be. Like, share, subscribe, follow on Twitter. Hell, like me on Facebook. You can email me, jamesrpeen at ESPN1530.com. And until tomorrow, I'm James Rapine. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast. 